Welcome to the Pop Bonsai Hotel Set. Whether it is your first stay with us or your returning patron, we want to welcome you into our conversation. What is it about hotels? They are both communal and isolating, luxurious at times, but also decrepit, a microcosm of culture and class. Over this four-part series, we will be taking a look at the world of transient living through a lens of pop culture. Set down your bags, grab a drink in the lobby, and enjoy your stay with us in this Pop Bonsai mini-series. You know, I've I've been in searching. Uh, I've been in search of Sasquatch. One, number one, always searching oh. for Sasquatch. <laughs> uh, two, in search of some new uh, shower towels. I guess they're just towels. I guess it, it could be used for baths as well. I don't think they're limited to shower towels. But I don't want. You know, I'm an adult, Jay. 36 years old. I'm a grown ass man. I got a career, not a job, a career, Jay. I make good money living over here in Japan. And um, I don't want like to go to like Walmart or like the Japanese equivalent, Walmart, um, and get like like the off the rack towels. I'm in search of like what the internet says are the most premium towels. And what I'm finding is this term hotel towels. Meaning like really? like luxury hotel towels. So when I see, when I'm shopping for towels, it'll always be like, oh, premium hotel towels. Like they're using hotel as an adjective to trump up the quality of the towels. And hmm. I'm trying to think if I, if when I go to hotels, am I like, damn, these towels are, these towels are fantastic. I don't think I've ever done that. Usually they're kind of scratchy. Yeah, they're kind of scratchy. Now, I get it. It depends on the quality of the hotel. The yeah. next time I stay at a luxury hotel, I'm going to ensconce myself in those towels. And I want to see you what need, it is. And gauge those towels. Well, some, hotels always ha- some of the hotels have that uh, sign that's like, uh, you know, you will be charged for towels if you take them. Do you believe that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think, oh, anyone's, yeah. Do you think anyone's tracking that shit? Um, okay, yes, because I stayed at a hotel once where they wouldn't let me check out until the the maid went up there and okayed the amount of towels in the room. Did they look at you and say, you could check out anytime you, you want, you just can never said, leave? Hey, brown man, you need to wait here and make sure you didn't steal anything. <laughs> uh, Mr. Castro? Uh, yes, um... Uh, we're looking at your, your your room charge here, and uh, we can't let you check out. Um, d- dude, I returned the towels. It's not that you return them. It's the state you return them in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are some, how do I say this delicately, sir? Poo stains on these towels. <laughs> Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, uh, two things on today's uh, podcast. One is the Eagles song, and I am stalling it out because I completely forgot. The 1977, there we go. Not stalling at all. There we go. The 1977 song Hotel California off the ty- uh, the album of the same name, Hotel California. And we're just going to be talking just about this song. Okay. Right. So, uh, if focus, Jay, laser if, if you mention another song, God damn it, Jay, if you mention another song while we're talking about this Eagles song, even if it's another's Eagles song, I will mm-hmm. end this podcast right, right then and no. there. No, okay. no, take it easy. No, no see, just did it. End no. it, end it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, we're going to be, we're going to talk about that. And then since, uh, it's, we're talking about rock and roll and, ho- uh, and hotels, we've got to talk, uh, about, the Continental Hyatt House, the Hyatt House on the Sunset Strip um, Hotel, which is famous for its rock and roll hotel shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So before we get to that, we got to talk the Eagles, Jay. The Eagles, oh my goodness, what a mediocre rock band. <laughs> no, the here, yeah. here's the thing about the Eagles, at least in my opinion. Uh, the Eagles get a bad rap. 
I, I don't particularly enjoy the Eagles. I think they're talented musicians. I think they write decent down the middle songs. Uh, but yeah. they constantly get shit on. They're always being used as the antithesis when talking about other emerging genres. You know, like in the punk rock, be like, well, we were sick of bands like the Eagles. Or it would be like glam rock. Well, we just got sick of listening to stuff like the Eagles. Or it will be like new wave. We just didn't want to listen to the like you know listen to turn on the radio and hear the Eagles. Uh, and so Eagles became synonymous with like dopiness and and uh, down the middle commercialism of rock and roll. And they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. Is that kind of, what are you what are your thoughts on the Eagles in general? Um, yeah, I, I kind of think the same thing. I mean, um, I would never actually I have never just kind of thought to myself, you know, what sounds good right now? You know what the moment calls for the freaking Eagles, the freaking Eagles, bro. Unless you're from never. Philadelphia, then you're like, then it's Eagles all day, brah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, never have I been, uh, driving down the PCH you know, with, with, in my convertible, cool. And you're listening to, uh, you know, whatever, uh, what's that? Any Eagles song. I can't even think of any at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are bands like I, I mean, I'm not, I, I like that kind of classic corporate rock and roll. I mean, I think that CCR does it better. I think that, um, three dog night oh, yeah. does it better. I mean, I can listen to those. I'll, I'll put on those. I think I have a couple of three dog night vinyls, uh, and I know I have some CCR vinyls. Uh, they're a little bit raller. I, th- I think the Eagles just, I, I think it's just so polished and so metronomical, uh, like paint by rock and roll numbers that they don't get enough credit for their musicianship. And I feel bad. I feel bad for Don Henley. I feel bad for, some, you know, these guys because uh, they, in their latter days, you know, they're huge rock and roll stars. And in the latter days, sometimes they're just kind of used as the butt of a, uh, a joke. Yeah, yeah. L- let me ask you this, though. If, for whatever reason, history just suddenly erased the Eagles from the world, from the universe, just gone, just Thanos snapped them right out of existence, would the music that you listen to still exist. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah see, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The Eagles are kind of like a stopgap, you know? Now I will like, like Credence and like three dog night. I do like how bands like these, they, you know, we've already had the blues. We've had, you know, country and honky tonk. We've had rock and roll with Elvis. They kind of, they're, you know, they kind of take rock and roll from the Elvis and country music and they kind of bring it together in a much more polished commercial way. So uh, in, in, in a way, um, I mean, the Eagles are all over classic rock radio. They're still being played like every 10 seconds on classic rock radio. Uh and, oh, no. you know, they're, the musicians, they, you know, they break up. I mean, they're like a super group that breaks up and, and makes a bunch of different groups. Um, so there, there's something to be said for them. But I, but I will say that Hotel California in particular is a song that I really, that I, I've always dug. Uh, but uh, let me ask you a question, Jay. And I guess this is kind of a leading question. Uh, but okay. are there songs out there? that have just been played so much in so many different, on the radio, in hotel lobbies, in the background at dinner, that you can't hear the song for its craftsmanship or brilliance. Uh, It just becomes background noise to you. Can a song be played so much it becomes background noise? Yeah, definitely. Pretty much the entire uh, uh, Back in Black album is like that for me um you know if i have never heard that any of those tracks and i listen to them now i'd be like this smokes yeah yeah yeah. but because you've heard every freaking one of those songs 25 times over when you're sitting at you know waiting at the checkout line at costco you know 
dude, I, I can't every time or I like hear it commercials for like like tampons or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, something I, I, just random. Yeah, that's a great example. ACDC has uh, well, in particular, that album has become background noise. Smells like Teen Spirit, background noise. Um, it's another good background noise song i guess i wouldn't be able to even identify them because they're just background noise at this point um thriller, a lot of elvis thriller yeah yeah thriller noise um elvis i can kind of tune into if, if uh i can kind of tune into elvis because i think his voice i don't know i think his voice is it's kind of like looking through a kaleidoscope where every time you hear it depending on what mood you're in it can kind of shift um, as opposed to back in the black, that's kind of, that's, that's it. it. It just hits that rhythm. But if you hear like, they call it a trap, I can't hold out because <laughs> I love you too much, baby. Like that, that voice takes on different connotations to it. So I, I'm personally going to veto that option, Jay. <laughs> Later Elvis, you know, I, even like in the ghetto, you know, era, yeah. but you know, hound dog, Heartbreak Hotel, Jail House Rock. I yeah. I can't kind of agree with that. There. I can't agree with that statement. No, um, no. What uh, what about Sinatra? No, I, I still like Sinatra yeah, a lot. Sinatra can can, still... can 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 get maybe a couple of songs. No, I don't. I, I think Sinatra, even like Fly Me to the Moon. That's still it. Still gets me, man. You, uh, you know the one I I could definitely skip though is Love and Marriage because every time. Uh, Married with Married children. children. It just reminds me of that way too much. We used to sit, uh, uh, when we come back in the States, uh, we had a close group of family friends that had kids our age, and we lived together in the Philippines. And then we, in the summertime, our, both the parents were teachers, we'd spend the summers together. And that was like the 90s where they'd have like a three-hour block of married with children, or at least an hour block of it. Like every night at like nine o'clock. <laughs> and we'd all sit because, you know, the parents would be drinking. So they put us in one room and have like a slumber party and we'd sit and that song would come on. And we would all every time it came on, we'd all sing it together. <laughs> like six kids love and marriage love. Boom. Right. Anyways, this isn't about Sinatra podcast this is about the Eagles. This is um, Hotel California to me is is kind of one of those songs. So it was really interesting. To go back into it under this critical lens of like, okay, I'm going to listen to this song for all its parts uh, yeah. and really decide kind of my feelings on this song. And so I listened to it quite a bit this week. Um, what do you think? I guess there's a couple ways we can go about this. We can talk about the, the lyrics first. This, this song was kind of uh uh, cobbled together the you know it's got a lot of myths about this song there's a that's one of the things that i've found interesting in this deep dive is uh because of the generality of their lyrics y you can put a lot of stuff onto it you can put a metaphor you can look at into it as a something of the occult we could, which we can talk about to it you can yeah. look onto it as kind of like a road trip thing it, it's horror it's it's uh road trip it's it's metaphor it's uh it's all these things uh, but I guess Don Felder, um, that rift uh, that is so famous um, in this song is like he was just sitting in his Malibu beach house. <laughs> Fucking Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an, I feel like, hey, how do you think the Eagles write their song? Well, I'm sure they're probably sitting with, you know, shirtless drinking a beer at their Malibu beach house. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, but it does have that. So let's talk about that, that, that sound to it. You know, it does have that very mexican uh uh bolero kind of sound to it yeah uh that i really love when they mix in with classic rock music you know of course you see that a lot with you know um uh, jimmy buffett right mm -hmm. jimmy buffett does that quite a bit um can you, i but did, did you did that come out to you more this time that kind of mexicali sound yeah, it it did. Um, I okay. So ge my general thoughts on this is, I'm not a huge Eagles fan, but 
this song is different. Um, I don't know if you agree or not, but mm-hmm. lyrically and, and from what I've heard, I mean, I haven't heard a ton of Eagles, but this record in particular, I'm this song sounds completely different than, than what I've heard. Yeah. Um, it, even like, like I was saying, lyrically it's, it's darker and it's got more mystique, even the the music, same thing with the music and yeah, that mixing that, that Spanish, you know, those Spanish riffs in there. Um, it just sounds, and it just, it sounds California, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes that just the whole package. It gives it the whole, the whole, uh, uh, package delivered to me you know yeah it 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 opens up and i it's interesting because when we talk about tone of a song it it i i I hate to it's it's the 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 lyrics the content of the lyrics the way it's being sung and then the music itself they don't contrast each other and they don't complement each other either you know it's you know Mm. sometimes like back in we were just talking about that. That complements the music. Other times you get something that's uh, uh, poppy, but then it's very, you know, kind of, you know, like this. So it's a contrast that brings it out. This, I feel like this song, neither contrast, none of these parts of the song from the music, the lyrics to the way it's being sung, the vocals and the phrasing contrast or complement each other. They seem to play off each other, certainly, but not in an opposite kind of way. Uh, it feels more like yeah. a like a, a a spread, the the way you might serve a meal. Okay, uh, these aren't opposite flavors, uh, nor are they. It's not Mexican food where everything is just kind of the same, just in a different thing. It's all right. These are all different flavors, but together they work to form this meal. This is a horrible analogy. I apologize. Let me back out of this I'm, real quick. <laughs> I'm thinking like Tex, like Tex-Mex. Yeah, like you know, I'm like, little, how uh... is this rib tasting so good with this taco? <laughs> I don't know. They just work. This is the brunch of classic rock music. This song. Um, <laughs> Because you open it up with that that music, which just feels very California. It's got that uh, bolero kind of uh, Mexicali, you know, guitar. Dun, 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 dun. And doesn't at this point, it doesn't feel dark. It doesn't feel imp- it doesn't feel particularly dark. Nor does it feel jaunty. It feels no, trans- definitely not jaunty. It feels trance like, but not in a dark way necessarily. Uh, n- not in a uh, uh, cure, not cure. Um, not like in a goth way, either. Right? It doesn't feel okay. it doesn't feel gothic to me. It doesn't. No. At, at best, at most, I would say maybe a little eerie. But I think even that has this kind of yeah. darker connotation than than it deserves. And maybe that's what I get. Maybe because I already I know what the song is about. But to me, it, it, yeah, it it does sound a little eerie to me. Okay, little uh yeah yeah um and uh uh and then w- you you come in with the lyrics so we'll kind of take these on here so he says on a dark desert highway cool wind in my hair warm smell of kalitas rising up through the air so taking that little bit right there uh, i love songs that one tell a story now it could be a traditional narrative where it's like john henry was a little baby sitting on his dad you know it takes us through him fighting uh competing against a machine i love that kind of narrative um but i also love a more of an ambiguous narrative like this uh almost poetic style as opposed to prose and he's setting us up with imagery right we're not in the imagery is we have the dark we have the texture of the cool wind and we had that smell, right? Colitas. And then I found out that I'm like, Colitas. I'm not even sure what that is. Did you look that up? Well, yeah, but I just want to. So there's been some different interpretations of Colitas. Some, okay, Colitas, a cola is Spanish for tail. Yeah, like butt, right? Yeah. Cula. Cula. 
colitas, yeah, like like little asses, basically. Mm, colitas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I want. And... Summer, I only want coronas and colitas. <laughs> Tijuana, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> Trophy escape, bro. <laughs> <laughs> And and some people have interpreted uh, colitas as uh, like like uh, bud marijuana. Yeah, that's in this um, song. I've, I I heard that that was kind of what they were going for. Yeah, but supposedly I've never heard this. But supposedly a, a colita is uh, a flower that blooms in the desert in Southern California. Yeah, so, I heard it's kind of like slang for marijuana. It's it's kind of like a uh an incorrect labeling of marijuana when it's not really that thing but maybe it's 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 in the same type of family as marijuana so then it picked up the slang for marijuana but i think i'd rather go with that interpretation than it just smells like little asses in the air right right that's on a dark desert highway cool wind in my hair warm smell of little asses Rising up through the air. <laughs> That's if you're pulling into Las Vegas. That's you if you're that pulling smell. to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> on the New York, tur- like on the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> Pollution in the air. Won't smell little asses. Um, so it hits you with that, and it reminds me, it sets the mood so well, because who hasn't been on a drive like that? Who hasn't been like that uh, on that dark desert highway? Now, it doesn't have to be a desert highway, but on the dark highway, windows down, it's almost like, uh, you know, I I never understood people falling asleep at the wheel of a car until I was maybe like 23. And I was driving from uh-huh. Phoenix to Florida. Long drive. And I was somewhere in Texas. I'm like, I could do this, man. It's just me. I can just cruise, you know, just mm-hmm. put some CDs, a CD changer on there. No... No iPods or phones at that point, so you're constantly changing CDs. And I um, I got to the point, it's like 3 in the morning, I've been driving all day, and uh, uh. I was, I st- I'm like nodding off while I'm driving. I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I can fall asleep at any moment. Like, I, I've never felt that way in my life where I'm so tired. I had to, I was rolling down the windows. I was sticking my head out the window because I was in the middle of a highway oh, and there, yeah. was, there was no hotels around. So I was just praying for like the next sign to be a rest area or a hotel, you know? Uh, and I can't, I, I think about that when I, I see these opening things to me, you can read it as this very, um, like, Oh, what a free spirited way image. But to me, it also feels very weary. Yeah. A very weary image when he says, you know, cool into my hair. I see him like top down or like trying to, stay awake it's that dark desert highway uh and then you know that smell coming out and he says up ahead in the distance i saw a shimmering light my head grew heavy and my sight grew dim i had to stop for the night again that idea of that weariness if you've ever been have you ever been on a drive like that where you almost you know uh pass out and kill a bustle of children or something like that oh yeah dude. yeah all, all the time. time all the time <laughs> I do. No, uh, I definitely know that. I, I, you know, yeah, like you said, you roll down the window, you stick your head out, you pinch your, you know, your forearm, you pinch your thigh or do something. Adjust you know, in the you, seat, put your, like lean yeah. up against the wheel. And so he, you know, he sees this shimmering light, you know, everything just gets even more weary. He stops for the night. And then, and then we have our first figure. There she stood in the doorway. I heard the mission bell, and I was thinking to myself, this could be heaven or this could be hell. Again, so much imagery in here in Writing 101. Don't just give sight. Give sound. Give uh, texture. Give mm. uh, uh, smell. Uh, and all those things are present in, you know, as we're going through the first verse here. Uh, what do you think about this mixing of the mission bell, which seems very Southern California? Uh, right. Uh, and this pronoun use of she. The, yeah. Um, I kind of take it like she being uh, uh, 
good fortune or you know like like good good and evil you know right um there or you can even say uh opportunity you know or, or you can even say uh uh california right there's los angeles los angeles you know, which i mean the eagles i think are from the midwest and they moved out yeah. to la um with yeah. midwest and from what i yeah from what i read there they they were very uh they romanticized this yeah um you know the whole mythos of southern california yeah I love how I was thinking to myself, this could be heaven or this could be hell. Uh, also, very self-aware, this narrator, if he's already thinking this. This could be heaven, this could be hell. As opposed to, like, dude, this is awesome. You know? Uh, there isn't a complete naivete there with our narrator, it doesn't seem like. Right. 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 Like, uh, this could be trouble. Then she lit up a candle, and she showed me the way. There were voices down the corridor. I thought I heard them say, right? Welcome to the Hotel California. So here we are. We are in the hotel, this mission-style hotel, which is nice because it, it gives it a sense of antiquity. It also gives it uh, a religious or spiritual mm -hmm. undertone to it. When we think of the, double, the use of the word mission in there, uh, also the mission plays in there. I heard the mission bell as what you were saying, like I, I came out here to make something of myself for good fortune. This is my mission. And then also the mission as a style of architecture, uh, and also yeah. the mission as a place of religious teaching, uh, all wrapped up in there in that word. Uh, and it's a sound, you know, so it doesn't work on any of those other levels. It works most basically on its sound level. I heard a mission bell you know, mixed with the smell of marijuana and uh, all that stuff. Just a, what a great first verse, man. I, 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 you know, even talking to you now about it, I, I'm loving it even more. A lot of, a lot of sensory uh, descriptions, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, it's, it's firing on, on, you know, visuals, smells, and it sounds and wouldn't work with just any riff. Still, a great verse for any other for any song, but when combined with that now elevator music background white noise. <laughs> but imagine hearing this for the first time. Yeah, that riff. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah, and then and then hearing this verse on vinyl in the nineteen seventies yeah. or on the oh, radio crackly. in your car. Jesus, right? Uh, he says, welcome to the Hotel California. Such a lovely place. Such a lovely face. Plenty of room at the Hotel California. Not true anymore. Any time of year, <laughs> <laughs> you can find it here. What's the it here, you think, Jay? Uh, um, I guess, okay. I'm thinking like, whatever you're into, whatever fix you're looking for, yeah. you know? I think that goes with hotels in general, where we're kind of looking at that bigger concept of hotels is there is that sense of mystery to a hotel, right? There is that sense that you have come to this place. You probably have some uh, goal, some mission, whether it be to tour the city, to nail a sale, to visit uh, a friend. There is some reason or mission that goes along with the destination when you're staying in a hotel. Now, sometimes a hotel can be like a halfway point between one place to another, as this one happens to be. But uh, usually hotels are used as uh, places, as a destination, or as part of a, travel, uh, part of a, a, a traveling itinerary. Uh, so... Uh, a goal is b trying to be ma maintained. Uh, success is thought in some way, whether it be fun or economical, right? It, there is, uh -huh. it's, it's not a lounging, you know, type of thing on here. Uh, and then you have that long, that, of the Hotel California. All right, so that is, that part right there is, you do get a little bit of, da 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 California, but then they cut it with, such a lovely place, 
so so they give you plenty of room at it's almost kind of not barbershop quartet but it is you get a little bit of we could get it's gonna be okay everything's gonna be good but it's not gonna be good just <laughs> gonna get bad right <laughs> and i love that that mix of of tones there um where you don't know what to feel um you don't know if this person's in a good place or a bad place. Uh, her mind is Tiffany twisted. She got the Mercedes Benz, a line that's been interpreted quite a lot. It's got a nice lot of play on words there. You find anything good about that one, Jay? Um, I think it's a really interesting, um, a really interesting line here because okay, so her mind is Tiffany twisted, which means. She's very uh, materialistic, yeah. you know, and she's got the Mercedes and it's B-E-N-D-S, which a lot of people have interpreted as like um, scuba, uh, scuba. Diving. Yeah, but more particularly the uh, uh, decompression sickness. Yeah. Um, so not only do scuba uh, scuba divers get it, but you can get it if you're in an airplane that's not pressurized and which a lot of people kind of interpret this as, you know, she's got the Mercedes Benz meeting. She's, she's just flying so high. She's just out of touch with reality, mm -hmm. but they will, they will never. One thing I really respect about these guys is that they will never reveal exactly what this is. I about. love it. I love it. Yeah. And he, he says something like generality or, is like the songwriter's best friend it wasn't generality it was uh ubiquity or something like that but it was uh a, vagueness that, vagueness vague, yeah, yeah yeah vagueness is like the songwriter's best friend dylan was big into that right oh dude i so it, when i was doing audio ammunition i i interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens dozens of bands and one of the things i i learned is to not ask what a certain song is about because they will never tell you never. And that's one thing that I, I really like because it first it used to annoy me, but now it makes sense because they don't want to, they don't want to tell you what their version is. They, they want you to have your version of their song. Unless you're, unless no. you're interviewing Dr. Frank. She's coming. She's coming. She's coming over tonight. <laughs> I'm going to shave off my beard. <laughs> right. <laughs> then you're like, I think I get it. Yeah. Dr. Frank, I think I, I get this uh, one. <laughs> Dr. Frank, what's bop, 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 So, hmm. <laughs> He's like, I'll never tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to my grave. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the play on that. The, the Tiffany twisted Mercedes Benz. She got a lot of pretty, pretty boys that she calls friends. How they dance in the courtyard, sweet summer sweat. Some dance to remember, and some dance to forget. Yes. See, now, if you take the word dance and interpret it like pop music in the 80s used the word dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, you know. Some dance it's... to remember, some dance to... It's like a, like a Men at Work song. You can dance if you want to. You can help me remember things, or you can not dance and not remember anything. It's okay with me. Well, that's uh, men without hats. Uh, men without hats. Yeah. 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 They're Safety all men. Song. They're all men doing stuff, wearing hats, oh, working. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that one's gone. And now we have uh, another uh, figure here. So I call up that captain. Please bring me my wine. He said, we haven't had that spirit here since 1969. <laughs> All right. What do you think? Who do you think this captain is? Like, is it well, Captain Sneal? <laughs> captain Picard. Oh. Um, yeah. So there has been, a, a, again, this line. Um, has is has been interpreted a few different a few, a few different ways. Um, somebody interpreted that captain is is God, and please bring me my wine is like like Jesus, 
because like when you take the sacrament, you know, wine is, is symbolic of, of Jesus. And he said, we haven't had that spirit here. We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. Now, this is kind of ridiculous. I read this. This isn't my theory. No, no, I, I see where you're going. Go ahead. 1969 is when Anton LaVey established the Church of Satan. Oh, I didn't see that. Never mind. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all I got. That's all I got. Um, and others see it as um, 1969, which is kind of what I'm thinking. 1969 is when, uh, is the year that the Rolling Stones played Altamont. Mm-hmm. And that whole disaster um, at Altamont Speedway, which a lot of people have, have offic- has like unofficially marked as the end of hippie, yeah. of, of yeah, like the yeah. end of hippie culture. Um, so take it. it yeah, that towards. demarcation where uh, it, it, things became less pure, right? It became, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. money got involved, uh, greed corporations more so. Um, at least on the uh, to the outsiders, right? Uh, of it, it, it was. It was also um, um, Manson murders. Was that sixty nine as well? Oh, I don't know. It could be. Um, let me see. Manson. I'm not typing this. I'm just this is how I talk. No, no, no. <laughs> Manson no. murder years. <laughs> Nineteen sixty nine, August eighth. Oh, so it would have wow. been, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that was a big thing too for killing the hippie movement was that oh, you can't just like go live in communes anymore, or else you will be turned into a cultist. Um, yeah. All right, we nailed that line. Done. Figured Done. it out in the books. In the books. Print it. Um, <laughs> and still those voices are called. And then the, the, the here the tone lifts up. And still those voices are calling from far away. Wake me up in the, wake me up in the middle of the night just to hear them say. And of course, then we um, uh, we hear the chorus again, except this one ends with uh, living it up at the Hotel California. What a nice surprise. Bring your alibis. Bring your alibis. It's, again, <laughs> what a nice surprise. Oh, this is nice. Bring your alibis. It's, a, it's, it's, it's almost a ball-esque chorus like this the greek chorus bringing in the tragedy behind yeah, yeah. the the thing it's 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 very subtle it's very good yeah. um yes you're screwed yeah you're screwed don't get too excited <laughs> mirrors on the ceiling and pink champagne on ice and she said we are all just prisoners here of our own device why why you think of that pink champagne on ice i, I was thinking about our last episode four four rooms when they're drinking cristal Oh yeah, yeah. You drink champagne. When you drink Cristal, you say you're drinking Cristal. (laughs) And those are the types of guys too that I think, in one metaphor reading of this song, are kept kind of taken over the record industry and are you know Uh about the the glamour and the false promises and the luxury and the excess of it. The same kind of guys that Quentin Tarantino and Bruce Willis were playing in this movie. Um, check out last episode for more details. Uh, <laughs> and in the master's chamber, they gathered for their f- for the feast. They stab it with their steely knives, which I heard was a knock on Steely Dan. I don't. I didn't hear it was a knock. It was more like a like a nod. Yeah, like a, they. Hey spy, there, fellas. I think, no, I think uh, I forgot what the lyric that Steely Dan did, but it was kind of like something about eagles that wasn't like the most flattering. It wasn't like a deep rapper diss. But it was kind of, it wasn't, it was kind of like, yeah, almost like a sellout kind of lyric. Uh, And so I think there is a little bit of, a little bit of, they stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. Last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. I like that. I like that line. This, I think, is universal, no matter what reading of this song is a person has found themselves down a rabbit hole of someplace they didn't expect to be. Uh, things got too intense, and they try to find... The, the way to get out of it is to try to go back to who you were before, which yeah. could be a strategy. I don't think it's a particularly, a particularly effective strategy for any kind of thing, because going back to who you were is kind of impossible once experience has changed your worldview uh, and your morality. 
it would just be fake and then you'd be faking some sense of it. Uh, I mean, there are times in my life where I'm like, man, I wish I had as much wonder as I did at 16 or as much enthusiasm as I did at 25. It'd be great to go back to that. But I like to try to do that, I think would be impossible and possibly more harmful. And here we have our, our character, you know, um, uh, uh, had to find a passage back to the place I was before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can never really go home. Yeah. Or yeah. And so he says, relax, relax. Said the night man. Um, we are programmed to receive. We are programmed to receive. Let me ask you, what do you think of it? That line right there. We are programmed to receive. What is that? That's the one thing I, mm-hmm. I have my, I can have my own interpretations with everything, but this, I, I have trouble wrapping my head around. We are programmed we are... to receive. Okay. All right. So the, the we're, programmed is interesting. It, 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 it's, it's almost like um, a sense of manipulation to this, right? Like you're, you program something, you manip- manipulate it to perform a certain way, right? Uh, to, receive now uh, in the context of uh of this possibly being a metaphor for the city of la in this time period the hollywood scene right um as in no this Uh... this this town has been manufactured to like this is it like you we, we this is all it's like when you go to disneyland everything is constructed to give you this experience like relax it's all part of the ride. It's all part of the show, right? We're, we've, mm. we've done this before. This is it. I think of Disneyland sometimes when I think of this song is this, uh, or LA in general, is this kind of pre-fabricated world um, of things. It is, it is very down the rabbit hole like. You mm. can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Ooh, yeah. what a great line. Yeah. You can gotcha. check out anytime you like that sense of, you know, checking out in a drug sense, right? Um, uh, checking out, you know, um, checking out from the worries of reality. Um, but you can never leave. Hmm. Wow. Hotel California. You know, and in there we get uh, what, according to Wikipedia, uh, the 2000 or 1998 let me see wait, so 1998 or 2008 uh guitar magazine put down as one the best guitar solo in rock and roll that's crazy dude this song to say that this song was a hit is an understatement you know uh uh the single sold three million copies or it sold 1 million copies in three months. And that, so that is a million people around the country got off their ass and went to a record store and bought this thing. Not clicks, not YouTube listens. People spent, you know, their, their five or eight bucks, whatever, how much an LP costs in 77 and, and, and bought a million of these. And it's insane. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I think it I, I think it adds to the uh, while it commentates on the mythos of L.A., it also is a major adding factor into the mythos of L.A. from that point on. Mm-hmm. You know, think about being a young kid from the Midwest going and buying this album. I mean, the, the that metaphor is right there on the surface for anyone to, to grab. I don't think it's I don't think you have to be uh, a literary scholar to 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 be like to put the this the musical influence in the sound with the lyrics and be like, oh they're talking about it's called the Hotel California. Uh you know, California mm-hmm. is right there in it. Um and if you think about that, it really does add another notch into that whole mythos of LA, which you're actually commentating on, could be possibly commentating on in the song. So they're actually contributing to that programmed, that word, that word, that, that programming of that city. They're actually contributing to it by creating this hugely successful and popular song. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they've said, uh, so a couple of quotes here, Don Henley said, um, we were getting an education, an extensive education in life, love and business. And they said Beverly Hills was still a mythical place to us in the sense it, be- it became something of a symbol and the hotel, um, uh, you know, LA had come to mean to us, um, in one, he said, in one sense, I'd sum it up as the end of the innocence. And uh, I read that too yeah. about that. The end. Of, it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a song about the end of innocence, right? Um, or the yeah, um, yeah. And it gets dark and twisted. It 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 takes you to unexpected places. It's it's a longer song, but not a lyrically heavy song. It's not a lyrically dense song like Hard Rain by Dylan or anything like that, where you just... It, have... it is... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it is for them, I feel. I mean, you look at like Life in the Fast Lane. I was standing on compared... a corner in Winslow, Arizona, <laughs> yeah. just a fine side to see. <laughs> There's a girl, my lord. <laughs> hey, what's she driving? A flatbed Ford. What's she doing? She's slowing down to take a look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean it's not like it's not painted black or anything but it's like to them it's it kind of is i guess it's like mm-hmm. you know painted black is a good comparison yeah yeah so it has that cult feel to it but that's that I mean you know when you when you talk about that the hotel california the, the big metaphor of uh california as a hotel right it is the farthest west you know, that we can go. Um, and uh, especially at that time, still rather, you know, it's not the LA we know today, but it's not also the LA of the early 1900s, but it's still, there's lots of room, right? And so this metaphor of it being a hotel, last week we talked about a hotel being populated with all kinds of characters from all parts of yeah. the world. Uh, and LA uh, seems to be, certainly populated with characters i mean not only uh, weird personalities but it's a town whose industry is based on people pretending to be other people other characters playing characters you go there and you become something other than yourself which is a weird and also beautiful cool thing about hotels when you go and stay at a hotel you do transform a bit you don't mm. act the same way you would in your house you don't treat the hotel room the same way you would your living room. You don't even carry yourself in the same way. You know, your chest puffs out a little bit more. I'm here on vacation. I'm, do, I'm visiting this thing. I'm going to go see. I'm going to go to this convention. There's a sense of, 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 of ease. And uh, uh, you're, like we said last week, you're spending more money. Uh, and all that gets wrapped up in the metaphor of L.A. itself in here, which rock mm-hmm. and rollers have been going, you know, and, uh, you know, that L.A. scene, which takes us to our, our second topic, which is, you know, rock and roll in hotels. I mean, those ho- rock and rollers in hotels constitute for about 40 percent of the rock and roll myths out there, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's something about rock and rollers in hotels, which has been parodied so much in, in movies, um, oh, yeah. that it's almost become a cliche to have a rock star trash a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and throw the TV off the balcony. Yeah. You know? Glue all the furniture upside down. Right. Just make a mess, <laughs> you know, run down the halls, barrel down the halls. And there are a few hotels in the world like the chelsea in new york which you know was uh basically the uh d- dorm rooms uh for 1970s uh punk uh new york scene um yeah. you know patty smith uh iggy pop uh dylan stayed there uh you know all these people it was just they would go there and they'd basically do like an internship in the chelsea hotel the West Coast right. version of that, of that is what we're going to talk about today. Since we talked about Hotel California, there's a hotel, I believe it's called the Hyatt on the Sunset now. But um, in the 1970s, the uh, Hyatt House Hotel on the east end of Sunset uh, was known as the Riot House. That was its nickname. And it was known as the Riot House because it was notorious 
rock and roll groups. I sound like an old person. These rock and roll groups coming uh, rolling into town. Long hairs. Yeah. <laughs> and just trashing the place. And because that hotel was a little bit more forgiving. I mean, they still charge these guys. But um, a little bit more forgiving about that kind of behavior. So you could trash it. And as long as you paid the bill, you'd be welcome right. back. Right. And it was that, and also because of its location next to all the uh, rock and roll clubs on the Sunset Strip. You know, you're a hop, yeah. skip, and a jump from the rock and roll clubs, so you can get loaded and just head right back to your hotel, or you can do a show, head back to your hotel, and more importantly, you can get loaded, do a show, head back to your hotel, and all those groupies can just walk right over there as well. You know, you don't have <laughs> right, to get a to van, go. you don't have to Uber them, you don't have to, you know... <laughs> uh you know like uh ask for you know here's my code name it's it's you you would do this uh in particular so have you had you heard about the Hyatt house before the riot house we'll call it the riot house the the only time the first time i heard of it was in almost famous me too when when they they went there and uh, it in in Cameron Crowe's Jay Burchell's character is like there waiting for Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe it is uh, uh, Billy Krubin's. Is that his name? Krubin? 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 Billy something. Krubin. Oh, oh, Billy Crudup. Crudup. The singer? Thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. yeah. He, he leans in to our young journalist. And he goes, we're staying at the riot house. And, and he's like, he doesn't look. He goes on the Sunset Strip, and he goes, "Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah." He doesn't know. He has no idea, and he's just like, "What's of that, course, sir? We're staying at the Riot House on the Sunset Strip." Yeah, I'm under Harry Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, of course. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> hey, enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Zeppelin uh, is, there's a lot of people there. Uh, I found out little Richard actually lived in the hotel through a lot of the 80s and 90s. 20 uh, years yeah. they lived there. Uh, Gene Autry, the, the cowboy singer, actually opened the hotel. Yeah, 1963. Uh, which I loved, and I didn't know that. That seems like such a cool way to, to, for a rock and roll hotel to start out, is to have like an old school rock and roller, man. Yeah, yeah, it was originally called cowboy. the, yeah, it was originally called the, the Gene Autry Hotel. Before he sold it to Hyatt Corporation. You should have kept that name. Yeah. I'd go stay but... at the Gene Autry Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Put my cowboy, my shit kickers on. Um, <laughs> uh, but Zeppelin, uh, it was one of the, uh, most famously one of their uh, biggest ha uh, haunts. In fact, that line from Almost Famous, I am a golden god, uh, reportedly yeah. came from a Robert Plant. Uh, dangling off a balcony in the uh, Riot House Hotel and saying, I am a golden god. Uh, yeah. And these guys would, Zeppelin in particular, uh, I read somewhere that they could, they had plenty of money to stay at other places, posh places, but they actually would hire an accountant to travel with them just to divvy up their charges. And so they'd go stay at the, the Riot House Hotel and instead of, you know, buying a penthouse somewhere else, they rent out a whole floor. Several. I read, yeah. I read oh, it was several, like, several yeah. floors. Yeah. And they'd have like phone parties in the pool. They would, uh, I heard this one story where, uh, they, there was an employee there at the hotel and he was like, Oh geez, Mr. Plant. Uh, it sure must be nice to be able to just come in and wreck these hotel rooms. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and he worked there and, uh, and they said, Hey, Pick a room, and we'll let you trash it. So they let what? him pick. A, they let awesome. him. They let him pick a room. His employee, I guess, disgruntled employee, <laughs> apparently, and they let him just trash the room. And they picked up the bill. He's like, "Pick any room you want." And he picked it, and they just trashed it. Oh, thanks, Mister Plant. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, appreciate Mister Plant. Oh, um, so I could just smash anything? Yeah, just grab the bat and smash anything. I'm gonna smash that pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could smash the pillow. You could start there, but I mean, how about the TV? Oh, I don't know, Mr. Plant. <laughs> That's an awful big TV. I'm not a crazy rock star yeah. like yourself, you know. Hey, Mr. Plant, you mind if I steal one of those towels? 
<laughs> Leave a couple stains on it. Leave a couple stains. I'd like one of your stained towels, please. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and did you find... Uh, I, there's a couple other ones, but did you find any good uh, 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 Riot House uh, uh, myths or uh, legends, I should say? Um, yeah, I did, actually. Um, so, first of all, this one's kind of the more well-known one, but uh, apparently John Bonham used to ride his motorcycle down the hallways. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things that I learned that I I didn't know is, so apparently Lemmy, okay, so Motorhead apparently was, was a born at the right house mm-hmm. because in 1974, when uh, Lemmy was on tour with Hawkwind, he wrote the song Motorhead mm-hmm. while he was staying there. Um, and uh, I didn't know that. I thought that was pretty cool. How about yeah. you? Did you learn yeah, anything I saw, cool? Yeah, I saw that one too on there. I thought the Little Richard thing w- was cool. Little, Little Richard is uh, going to be one of my next projects soon. Where I'm, ah. gonna, I'm gonna do a real like I did with Bowie. I'm gonna do um I'm gonna do a deep dive into Little Richard. Um, nice. Uh, you know, a lot of people because I was watching that um because it reminded me because speaking of Lemmy, I was watching that Lemmy documentary Lemmy, um, and he's just like Little Richard's the best, is the best singer in rock and roll, hands down. Dude, bar I, none. I love Little Richard. I'm a and, huge uh, Little Richard. David singer. Grohl was saying the same thing. He's like, no hands down little richard best voice in rock and roll um you know and he is i'm like yeah he's got a good voice you know but i mean like there's a lot of people that have good voices like that and so there's something there well i know the the major little richard stuff but there's got to be something in his b-sides where that's got to be uh transcendent for everyone to speak so highly of little richard because uh, people don't talk that way about you know the big bopper or anything like that he's respected but people don't be like the big bopper was the best singer in rock and roll blues. <laughs> and i'm like okay all right little richard i see you and also being you know a gay black man in rock and roll in the time period he was playing rock and roll and survive that survive that is is gotta and i guess he's you know he's so weird he's like oh bless you he's so like southern yet uh, weird you know He's a weird guy. You know, I, I, you know, he, he went back and forth being uh, religious and, and, and denouncing that kind of stuff to admitting, you know, some things in his past to, so he was kind of a strange guy. And as far as all that, as far as his sexuality was concerned, he seemed very confused. Um, I don't know. I, I, well, I digress. <laughs> if you were a rock and roll star, would you, is there any part of you that looks at this? I think a lot of rock and roll people are like, oh man, I can't wait to be famous where I can just trash hotel rooms. Is there any part of you that in your, the, the rock and roller inside of you, <coughs> excuse me, who is like, oh yeah, if I got famous, I would definitely, I, I would trash a hotel room. Is there any, is there any part of you that has that urge? No. Yeah, me either. No, I, I just. I, I just seems like an asshole thing to do. Right, right. I, I, I just, I think I, uh, you know, maybe that's why I don't, you know, I've never really been in a band or anything. I just have too much respect for people and property. You know, even though, yeah, maybe it's a, it's a corporation and they can afford it, but I still think they encouraged it. Do you think they encouraged it because it gave them that clout of being the rock and roll hotel? You Uh, you think um, they made more money off that reputation than they lost with, I mean, I guess they didn't lose it because they're definitely upcharging those guys. You know, if, if they, if they pissed on a rug, uh, and they had to replace that whole rug on that whole floor. They're not charging them, you know, um, wholesale on that rug. Possibly, possibly. I think they they let it go with some of the. But can you imagine if like every you know quote unquote rock star went in there and did that? You know, can you imagine being the family who's going to uh, uh, 
LA on vacation and you like you booked the uh the room from you get in Monday night, you booked the room for Monday night. Uh yeah, we were check in. Sorry, uh your room isn't available. Why not? Um uh Lemmy uh uh took a shit. <laughs> no, he took a shit all over the entire third floor. Uh smeared it everywhere. Uh it's in it's in places we never thought shit could get. And this is Lemmy shit. Too much, this is Lemmy shit. Too much so, tequila. Too yeah. much tequila and Hershey bars. Yeah, this, um. is, this is Lemmy shit. So it's gonna be uh, out for out for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, but I don't. Would uh, it be? But would you go? Because you're like, oh man, I could be staying in the room where Robert Plant. Well, actually, it's probably the things that Robert Plant did in those rooms are probably not things that oh, you dude. really want to be. But if you're a big Zeppelin fan, to be in the presence of you know, rock and roll debauchery, even if it's, you know, uh, a month old and aired out. Some people like that shit. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I suppose. Let me ask you this, though. Do do you miss those days uh, of of rock and roll bands being that way? No, no, I don't. I don't. That doesn't. That never really appeals. They're fun to read about. Like you read, you know, yeah. the dirt, uh, you know, Motley Crue, um, them kind of myths all, you know, it's kind of fun to read about, but it's also kind of like hookup game theory. I feel like where you're just like, I'll read this because it's just so ridiculous that anyone would think that this would work or that this is okay. Uh, but none of my heroes Music, musical heroes were really like that, per se, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like like a Dylan, like a Tom Waits, like a Bowie. Uh, you know, the Stones were, but I wouldn't say they were like my own personal music heroes. Ramones, I don't see them being too much like that. I'm sure they, I'm sure each, you know, any of those bands around that time had their nights where things got out of hand. Right. But they weren't, like a hair band, you know, imitating what a rock star should be by just causing chaos. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so, okay. So part two to this question, do you ever see the return of, of this kind of behavior? In, in, uh, in the return of excess. I don't think so uh, from the standpoint of who picks up the bill uh, because of the way the music industry is where a lot of people are doing like their own recordings or opening up their own labels um, and with streaming and we're, we're living for the single and it's your money is, is made on this. Um, who picks up the bill for this? Ultimately, in the in the 1970s, the bands were. I mean, the label will do it, but the, yeah. the label just recruits all their losses from the band. But bands just don't make this kind of money anymore. At least, these were young guys doing this. You know, maybe someone like a Justin Bieber could, uh, because he's you know that that stream of in- income. But I don't think the ruckus raw punk rock and roller guys who came up from the gutter and just don't know how to behave in polite society. I don't think that they, that they can afford this kind of lifestyle. Right. Right. What about you? Um, I, okay. So I don't like you, like you, I, I like it in the fact that I, I like that rock and roll at that time kind of represented a um, kind of like a, a, a fun, carefree attitude. It was you also know, like, uh, yeah, like it was moving away from that hippie movement too. It's about chaos. Right. Yeah. For the sake right. of chaos. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine seeing the who or the stones back in the seventies going to, you know, one of their shows, it completely yeah. different than going to see, you know, Peter, Paul, uh, and Mary weren't now. trashing their hotel rooms. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. maybe Peter was, you will, <laughs> Peter, you will. <laughs> but e- even now, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's not really something that I feel is totally, uh, there's a huge void in rock and roll because there's not, there aren't bands like this around, but, 
Um, I still think you can capture that, um, that spirit without being such an ass. Yeah. You know, being such a pompous, because you know, those guys are huge assholes. Yeah. You know it, you know, I mean, they would piss on my face if it was on fire, you know? Um, and I mean, I guess no real rock stars would actually, I don't think anybody really would, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, it wouldn't be my first instinct uh, to put out your face. Jay's on fire. Yeah. Stand back. I'm going to pee on him. <laughs> All I have is my bladder. <laughs> like we got a fire extinguisher and a blanket. Pull them back. <laughs> There's only one way to handle this. And I know I'm, he'll love every minute to, of it. I have to prove my friendship. He said, no one would piss on his face if it caught on fire. <laughs> Time to prove him wrong. He'll thank me in the long run. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I think it's, it's fine. I think it, it happened. You know, and, and do I, however, like you were saying, like you touched on a little bit before the stuff that went on in some of these legendary parties that Zeppelin would throw, that's definitely something that could be left in the past. Yeah. The exploitation of fans, uh, for, right. a ba- for a band's amusement, you know, treating them like a like cattle and, and, uh, you know, that type of shit. That's not good. Right. Yep. I guess we'll find out next week what other mysteries the hotel holds for us. What do we got going on on the next, the third part of our four-part hotel set? So in uh, part three, we are going to take a look at uh, the John Lee's uh, comic called Hotel, which was put out by um, AWA Studios a year, year ago, year or so ago. All right. It's kind of a well, ho- little bit horror, a little bit of suspense, darkness. We're starting. But... To see, we're seeing all of, so far, you know, between the four rooms, the Hotel California, and you know the tales from the Hyatt House here. Uh, hotels can be a bit of a seedy, uh, dark place. There is uh, maybe there, that might be something that is inescapable from a hotel. I guess so. I guess a lot of people kind of view hotels in that light. Mm -hmm. We'll find out next week on the Pop Bonsai Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next Bonsai!